Welcome to MI Insider, a show where Mercer Islanders give their perspectives on issues here at home and across the world. I'm Miles Avales, and my goal is to highlight the people behind the headlines. Now let's get into it. In modern American politics, we are facing a sickness like no other. A sickness that threatens not our health, not our physical safety, but that permeates through our political landscape, poisoning our minds and damaging our ability to relate to one another. This sickness is political polarization and it's stronger than ever. Today, nearly two-thirds of Americans say that the political climate stops them from saying what they think. And more than one-third of people would be displeased if their child married someone from the other party. Many believe that the blame for the increase in polarization falls primarily at the feet of mainstream media outlets for providing their users with a twisted version of the truth that only reaffirms their users' biases. One news website called AllSides.com seeks to fight back against political polarization by exposing media bias and revealing the tactics they use to divide us. I had the chance to speak with Henry Brechter, head editor of AllSides, to learn more about his job and gain insight into what exactly is going on. My name is Henry A. Brechter. I'm the editor-in-chief of All Sides, and basically I oversee our news operation, our content operation across all of our social media platforms, as well as the website, our newsletters, our mobile app, and uh, working on things, everything from daily news strategy to long-term goals and objectives and new ways to innovate and reach audiences and effective, informative ways. So can you walk us through your career journey and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, so I uh, graduated journalism school in 2019, went to the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, and originally I was studying sports journalism. So I worked for the Boston Globe and a couple other uh, newspapers covering college football, high school sports, that kind of thing. I applied for a bunch of sports journalism jobs coming out of college, didn't get any of them. But I did get entered into a uh, fellowship with the Pointer Institute. It's like a journalism think tank. It's a leader on journalism standards and that sort of thing. So I had that fellowship for a year and involved a lot of networking events and meeting professionals. And they also set you up with a full-time job for one year. So I found all sides through that job portal and they liked me enough to keep me on. So here we are about four years later. So all sides has zooming out a bit. All sides emerged out of the extreme polarization in politics, I would say. And what do you think has caused that extreme polarization? So I think I think you're right. All sides was born out of that, you know, that crazy polarization we've seen. But it was also born out of how the Internet drives that polarization and how people, you know, have all this access to information. But because of just the way we're built as humans, confirmation biases and that sort of thing. We're really inclined to get information that we already agree with, that confirms the way we feel and the way we think, right? And so the internet allows us to do that on a whole new level. Unfortunately, those bubbles that we put ourselves in, filter bubbles, we call them in all sides, really are detrimental because people can't understand what the other side is thinking or feeling or saying. They only see one sort of biased interpretation of that side. 
And that's as far as it goes. And it's really not conducive to a healthy democratic society. So that, in addition to political polarization, is kind of what sparked all sides. As far as what causes that polarization, it's a vicious cycle, I think. Politicians can't agree on anything and only want to you know, advance legislation that suits their agenda, their constituents. Then the media, based on where they fall, drive that polarization as well because they cover the politics a certain way. Us common folk, readers, right, then consume that media, consume what politicians are saying through the filters that they put on that presentation. And, uh, and then we fall into our respective polarized camps and those that polarized public opinion opinion then drives more political polarization through legislation. And it, like I said, it's just a cycle. So uh, it's hard to pinpoint the spawn point, so to speak. But uh, we know it's a cycle and, and there are various, various dimensions to it. And, and all of them are, are hard to tackle. And what would you say are the biggest negative effects of this vicious cycle of polarization? Man, just how it limits, you know, the discussions people think they can have with each other and want to have with each other. Because, you know, change and 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 great things and progress for society comes out of the grassroots the communities, the people that are living it, feeling it every day and need solutions. And when those discussions are inhibited by these filter bubbles that people put themselves in and that media and politicians feed into, then we can't get any of that stuff off the ground. You know, those discussions aren't happening anymore. People don't feel as comfortable debating or discussing things with those who feel differently than they do or those who might come from a different background or a different political stripe or whatever it is. And if people are so adverse to those discussions, then not much is going to get done in terms of meaningful solutions to the issue. And in what ways does all side try to prevent this? Like, can you describe the all side formula for presenting its users with a news story? Sure. So the the all sides mission is to free people from these filter bubbles so they can understand each other, understand the world better. How we do it is sort of a mix of a bunch of different things. But as far as presenting the news in a way that gets at that mission, our philosophy is you can't accurately articulate uh, your position on an issue and take a firm stance unless you understand where the other side is coming from, especially the way the media is set up right now. That's hard to do. So all sides shows you all the sides, whether it's left to right politically or, you know, urban and rural elitist populist, those sorts of things, trying to show you all the different views and perspectives so you can consume the information. We're not making decisions for you. We're just trying to give you the tools that you can decide for yourself. When presenting its readers with a news story, All Sides will give a brief summary of the issue, a section on how the media covered it, and three links to the articles covering the issue more in depth, one from the left, one from the center, and one from the right. We really refrain from painting as best we can any one side in a negative light. We really just try to present things as they are, show you what different sides are saying, and then give you the tools to read it and be like, okay, this is where I fall. So that's part of the solution. As far as picking those stories, sort of a mix. We do have to exercise some subjectivity, you know, in terms of what's the most important story today. Because sometimes 
CNN, Fox, whoever it is, the big media are covering stories that make a great headline, but aren't necessarily really important, really relevant to the every, you know, the average news reader in America, right? So sometimes we have to weigh those sorts of elements when deciding on a story. But mainly, we look at the big news sources on a local scale as well as national. Uh, national is our focus, but we're getting more and more into local news, you know, whether it's posting a little bit more from the Seattle Times all the way to the East Coast and posting more from the Miami Herald or the Boston Globe or more of these local newspapers. And that is really getting that all-encompassing view of what the media is talking about across the country is key to picking those stories. So we typically start with what the big media is covering. And then by looking at whether it's social media or smaller news websites, community-based sites, uh, sort of fill in the blanks and what the big media isn't covering. There's a lot that goes into the process. It might be a little simpler than I just made it sound. And one of the ways that All Sides categorizes these websites is as left-leaning, uh, center-leaning, and right-leaning. How yeah. do you assess whether to label a website as left-leaning, center, or right-leaning? We have several methodologies and a, and a patented system for measuring media bias. The two main elements of that methodology are our blind bias surveys and our editorial reviews. So the surveys, the blind bias surveys are when we survey thousands of people across the political spectrum, across the country, across different demographics to gauge what they think the bias of a source's content is. The catch is that they can't see which source actually published the content. Because if I showed you an article and you saw it was from CNN or Fox, you'd probably, you know, based on what you already thought of CNN or Fox, that would play into your analysis of the content. But if you can't see where it came from, if you could just read the actual words in the article, then that limits that effect and allows us to get a little bit more uh, realistic sense of people's idea of bias. So we do that. Typically, you know, several thousand people answer those surveys, and then we average out their responses, whether they thought the content was in the center or the left or the right. And that's one big way that, uh, and, and a key tool that we use. The other element that I mentioned, editorial reviews, these are our two primary ones. The editorial reviews are when a panel of our experts, whether it's myself or, you know, our CEO, our director of bias ratings, our research director, a lot of our other team members contribute as well. We get together and we sit on a Zoom call like this, spend an hour or two looking at a source's content from today, maybe from last week, from the last few months, and just going through it ourselves, taking note of which stories are they covering or not covering, right? Which perspectives are they focusing on? Do they seem to paint one side or one political party in a negative light consistently, right? Is the, are there placement issues? You know, is is one issue or one side getting more prevalent positioning on their homepage or within a single article? That works so well because our team is very well balanced and we're transparent about our ratings as well. You can see uh, on our team page at allsides.com. But I fall in the center. We have people on the left. We have people on the right. And so usually it's two from the center, two from the left and two from the right conducting an editorial review. And uh, and between that and the blind bias surveys, those are the big key elements of, of how we rate bias and come have come now to rating about 1,500 sources. And to dive a bit more into this, what are some more ways that mainstream media outlets show their bias in a more subtle way? 
yeah, the, you know, obviously headlines and, and photos and things that are right in your face are more obvious examples of bias. But bias shows up in a, a lot in what they don't say. What facts or viewpoints on an issue do news sources seem to selectively omit, maybe to suit an agenda, or maybe because they're in their own bubble and they don't even know about that, you know, alternate viewpoint or relevant fact that they missed, right? So knowing what might be unsaid and and knowing how to go try to find that is a key uh, to being a, an effective news reader and somebody that gets the most out of modern media, even with how biased and sensational and skewed that it might be. Another subtle way can be when a source, instead of linking to the video of whatever they're talking about or linking to the PDF document of the you know proposal from whatever politician, if they don't give you the link and they instead just sort of paraphrase or don't use direct quotes and sort of seem to subjectively analyze themselves what happened as opposed to just giving you the primary source material so you can review and make your own decision. We really want to trust journalists and, and a lot of journalists are worthy of trust. You know, you, your job is to be a trusted source of information. Your job is not to make decisions for people. And so by paraphrasing, by taking the power out of the reader's hand, that can set you up to miss something and set the reader up to get an incomplete picture. Whereas if you just provide them with the tools, your job is done as a journalist. And now it's up to them to get the full picture. So which, whether it's you know not linking to primary sources or just simply omitting certain facts and certain viewpoints, or even stacking several views against another in an article. A journalist might get both sides of an issue in an article, but they might write it in such a way where they have one person who supports an issue, giving a big long quote, followed by someone who opposes the issue, but then right after the opposition, there's another quote from someone who supports the issue. So you just get that sort of sandwich effect, two supporters, one opposed, and even something subtle, seemingly small can have a big effect on the reader's takeaway of the situation. Those are a few subtle, more subtle kinds of media bias, but we do have a, a great list of 16 different types of media bias over on allsides.com if you want to check that out. And do you think that this bias still affects people even if they see it coming? Like, for example, if you're uh, watching Fox News or CNN and you know that it's probably like leaning a bit left or right, does it still impact the way you see the issue? I think absolutely it does. And, and this is something I'm hearing more is that media bias is no surprise to people, right? Like, oh, shocker, CNN is this way and Fox News is that way. Right. Like that doesn't surprise a lot of people anymore, especially people that pay attention to news and politics. But the content is the same and the effect of the content is the same, especially if you don't realize it. But even if you do, because you're sort of feeding into it, whereas you could take a step back, add some different sources to your diet and really get that extra perspective. When we're hyper focused on the, just the bias itself, we're not really looking for ways around it and looking for solutions. But yeah, at this point. Media bias is no surprise. I mean, I think in 2016, when former President Trump was elected, it, it really brought the issue into kind of the spotlight where it hadn't been before, especially with social media and national discourse. But at this point, it's been laid bare for a lot of people, no matter what side you fall on. So it's hard to run from. Yeah. And I think it's a lot easier to diagnose like the left bias and the right bias, 
But something interesting on Allside's website is they refer to the center as center bias. What would you characterize that? What does center bias look like? I think uh, center bias could mean you're not, you you know, you're not getting the the more outside perspectives, whether it's on the left or the right or anywhere else. You're very just sort of narrowly focused on whatever your niche is, you know, whether it's a business outlet or an economics outlet or just a human interest, cultural news stories. But a center bias, you know, center doesn't necessarily mean better. And that's what we say. That's an important point of the of the all side spectrum. You can't just rely on center sources. You really do need to get everything because the center oftentimes does leave out some of those stories that are really big and important to people on the right or the left or the various ideologies and, and political camps. Where do you see the future of political media going in this country? Like, Do you think these problems will get worse or improve? I think more and more media are becoming aware of the issue, especially in terms of trust. We've seen trust in the media among the public crater in the past few years. And so that becomes a problem for media business, right? They're not bringing in, I mean, a lot of media outlets, newspapers, radio stations, whatever it was, were already struggling. Now, if no one trusts them, they're going to be struggling even more. So I do think there's been sort of a shift to being aware of this bias and to actively trying to present a more neutral or nonpartisan or balanced product. So that's promising. We've seen evidence of that at all sides, actually, where now companies are paying us to help them uh, understand their bias more, understand how their audience sees their content. And that is another powerful sign of a real industry shift and growing awareness of the issue and the need to be more in tune with the audience, how the audience perceives content, might be taking it one way or the other. And, and counteracting that as journalists and presenting a product that informs our audience, whatever that audience is, in an effective way, empowers them to contribute in a meaningful way in their community, in their society. Big thanks to Henry Brechter for giving us insight into what he does at allsides.com and addressing the issue of media bias at a national level. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of MI Insider. You can listen to the show on Thursdays at 7 a.m. or as a podcast, which can be found on the KMIH website. But for now, keep listening to 88.9 The Bridge.